Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. And welcome to the NRL Weekend Wrap for Round 11. Today's going to be a bit of a shorter podcast. Usually, I would start off with the performance highlights of the round, player of the round, team of the round, uh, things like that. Now, I'm still going to be doing that, but not on the podcast today. Uh, Now, I have a house inspection. Beautiful house. Who cares? No one. Uh, But beautiful house, so this one needs to be inspected, that's for sure. And, uh... Yeah, I was planning to do first half of the podcast pre-inspection, second half of the podcast after the inspection, and then I got the fateful call-in from work. So, yeah, got the fateful call from work. They called me in. Can you blame them? I mean, who wouldn't want my hard work ethic and amazing service? So, yeah. But that means that I basically got to do everything in this first half before the inspection. So to save a bit of time, I'm just gonna post the performance highlights in their usual spot over on our Instagram, at not just a sports report. So if you wanna know who was in my team of the round, moment of the round, uh, things like that, the rising star nomination, tough stuff, well that will all be over on our Instagram, at not just a sports report. Today, instead, I'm just gonna go through the eight games, uh, some pretty quick thoughts, And then for the next weekend wrap, we'll be back uh, to usual proceedings. So today will be a little bit of a quicker one. As far as my player of the round, Jesus, my fucking, how's my throat? Uh, As far as the player of the round, that was Jerome Luai. So there you go. There's a little spoiler alert. If you want to go check the rest of the highlights out over on our Instagram. But today, you know, just jump through the eight games. And as far as news... Well, I just thought this is worth mentioning. Paul Kent, NRL 360. This is alleged, but he's been arrested. He's been arrested for allegedly choking a woman. Choking a woman. And you want to know what is equally as fucking disgusting? Is the fact that Fox Sports, the Daily Telegraph, the Murdoch uh, news media haven't made a peep. Absolute pieces of shit. Now, I saw an article get posted about Payne Huss's brother, who's just had a very uh, unfortunate thing happen in his life. So, it's all well and good to post about Payne Huss's mum and Payne Huss's brother, two people who don't even fucking play in the NRL, two people who outside of their relation to Payne Huss have no involvement in the game. But yeah, it's okay to post seriously personal information about their private lives. Now, it doesn't matter which way you look at it. I'm not saying I condone uh, what's happened there, but very interesting that Fox Sports, more than happy to bring Payne House's family into it. Zero articles, not a fucking peep about Paul Kent choking a woman. So yeah, look, I've always had a low opinion of Murdoch and that whole crew, Daily Telegraph, uh, Fox Sports, 360, absolutely fucking gutless. What's the bet? Today's Monday. What's the bet they don't even bring it up? 
on 360 tonight. Or they brush through it like, Paul Kent is dealing with a personal matter. Personal matter? Um, is choking a woman a personal matter? Maybe, but it's not like he's had a fucking family member pass away. That's a personal matter. So, yeah. If you, I'm sure you've already heard, but I just thought, given the deafening silence of Fox Sports, the Daily Telegraph, I think more people should bring it to light. So, Paul Kent, allegedly choking a woman. Gutless piece of shit. More than happy to come on 360 week after week. Bag players for far, far less. Far less. He calls the Panthers players classless for celebrating a grand final win. I'll tell you what's fucking classless. Allegedly choking a woman. Putting your hands on a woman and choking her. Regardless of the situation. I don't want to hear anyone be like, Oh, what if she was attacking him? You don't fucking choke a woman. Guarantee you, any NRL player does this. Paul Kent would give them the biggest dressing town ever. And it's just foul. It's absolutely foul. And in my opinion, Daily Telegraph are almost complicit because, oh, they've stood him down to deal with a personal matter. That's fucking soft as. That is so soft. And yeah, just disgraceful. So Daily Telegraph don't want to mention it. So I'm mentioning it here. Paul Kent allegedly chokes a woman. He's been arrested. And yeah, I guess... Look, I could, you can always tell he was a bit of a fuckwit. He's always saying things like, Oh, the woke left this. The woke left that. It's like, so... Tell you what, at least the woke left aren't fucking allegedly choking women. So, yeah. Paul Kent going down. And, yeah. I don't like James Hooper either, but he, he hasn't done anything here. So, I won't bring James Hooper into this. But, yeah, there are some real fuckwits in that crew. And... They're more than happy to bring players down, to bring people's family into it, like Payne Huss's mum, Payne Huss's brother. Uh, but yeah, where are the articles about Paul Kent? Nowhere to be seen, at least not from the Daily Telegraph. I said this was going to be a short format podcast, so I'll leave it there. But I just thought, worth mentioning, since Fox Sports don't seem to want to mention it, they just want to sweep it under the rug. That's not happening. We're not letting that happen. So Paul Kent allegedly chokes a woman, has been arrested, so take that as you will. Paul Kent arrested for allegedly choking a woman. Fucking disgraceful. Tell you what's not disgraceful though, the round 11 action. Like I said, shorter podcast today, so just going to touch short, uh, briefly on all eight games and then we'll call it a day. Now, there's nothing else to do but get amongst it. This is the NRL Weekend Wrap for Round 11. Kicking us off for Round 11 was an epic clash. A clash with plenty of importance. Melbourne Storm at home, 24-16 over the Brisbane Broncos. Fantastic game from both the teams. Awful from the referees. Now, Melbourne deserved to win. Uh, probably the other noteworthy thing, Adam Reynolds going off injured very early in the game. Uh, Will Warbrick scoring a double uh, for the Melbourne Storm. I thought Christian Welch uh, was excellent as well, having to contain Payne Haas. Now, Payne Haas still ran for over 250 metres, but Melbourne Storm end up getting the win 24-16. Unfortunately, biggest takeaway... 
Disgraceful refereeing. Absolutely shit refereeing. And I feel like I can say that. I'm not a Broncos or Storm fan. I'm a Warriors fan. And in fact, as a Warriors fan, I haven't brought up the referees once. I, unlike one of our owners, or wasn't our owner, one of our sponsors, I really don't think we're being cheated. I just think the referees give shit calls to most teams. I don't think the Warriors get it as bad as has been made out. But yeah, so like as a Warriors fan, I have not once brought up the referees. It's not my usual go-to. But that game was shocking. It just, it ruined the game. It was just like, instead of the Storm vs. Broncos, it felt like it was Thursday night Todd Smith hour. Uh, so, yeah, that that's my biggest takeaway, unfortunately, from such a huge game. Super poor refing. Uh, there were how many sin bins? Four sin bins? Three to the Brisbane Broncos. That Patrick Carrigan one. Oh, and all this hip drop shit. I don't have the time. I don't have the time to talk about hip drops. Today is a shorter podcast. I'm not going into it, but it's definitely the buzzword at the moment, hip drops. They've been happening for all of time. Excuse my stomach if you heard that. Fucking hell. I think I might be dying. Um, but yeah, it just, just not up to par. This whole hip drop thing is just fucking, it's getting annoying. They need to work out exactly how they're going to police it. And yeah, unfortunately, that's the biggest note from this game, especially that last Xavier coach try, and not just because it ruined my measly multi, but <sighs> Xavier Coates scores a try, they've already called time off, and it was a try, so yeah, I mean, the players get roasted if they have a poor performance, the teams get absolutely buried, the coaches get sacked at the drop of a hat. And I tell you what, if I perform fucking poorly at my job, I'll get called into the office and spoken to. So there needs to be some accountability from Todd Smith, because it was... You ruined a fucking amazing game. You had the first place Brisbane Broncos, you have the Melbourne Storm at home. And all we're talking about coming out of this one is the refereeing. So really, really poor. And Todd Smith, funnily enough... He was the one who coached the Warriors game last weekend uh, when one of our sponsors came out and accused the referees of cheating. So, yeah, I don't think it's cheating. I just think it's fucking shit refereeing. They're way too happy uh, to blow the whistle at any opportunity. And I thought Phil Gould explained it perfectly when Xavier Coates did score that try. He's like, come on, Bunker. Come on, Bunker. You'll fucking pull up for everything else. You're more than happy to interject to say something's a no-try. Come on, Bunker, why don't you actually chip in when this is the best time to do so? Silence from the Bunker. So the one time I actually want to see them get involved in the game, they just sit on their ass. And there's the argument that, yeah, play had already stopped. Well, it shouldn't have. So, yeah, crap refereeing, unfortunately. Two of the best teams in the competition. Biggest takeaway from this game, shit refereeing. Unfortunate. Hopefully it's not going to be the same uh, next weekend. But yeah, uh, if I can summarize this game, poor refereeing just ruined a great contest. I'm glad, as someone who lives in Melbourne, that I didn't go to that game. Because it would have been confusing as hell to see all these guys getting sent off. And yeah, it just would have been a shit game to go to. Would have turned 80 minutes into about three hours with all the stoppages and sin bins. And... 
Yeah, sometimes, like respect to the referees for having one of the hardest jobs, but at the same time, it just feels like they think they're the stars of the show. Why we have referees mic'd up, I don't really know. Like, referees are best, like when you look at UFC and things like that, when they're just out of it, they stay out of it and only interject when it's necessary. NRL referees, fucking hell. I reckon they go back, watch the replay on KO or Nine Now, and just, you know, they're like, oh, how good do I look on TV? How good? Like, look at me fucking send that guy off. What a moment. What an iconic moment. So, yeah, referees pissing me off. Watch Graham Annesley come out and fucking make some bullshit excuse. It's not good enough. Yeah, the referees deserve a lot of respect, and this isn't anti-refereeing. We need them. We absolutely need them in the game. It's a very thankless job. No matter what you call, there's always going to be a fan base that's pissed off with you. But simply, it just it wasn't good enough. It was so far from good enough. And if a player had a similar performance, they'd be dropped. If a coach had a similar performance, they'd be fighting for their job. And if I had a similar performance, I tell you what, I wouldn't be getting called in to work today. So the NRL referees need to lift their game. And it's more like the system as well. It's more the system they're working under than the referees as individuals. It's just broken. Blow it up. Try again. And thanks a lot, Bunker. Always coming in, stopping the game for 30 seconds at a time. Uh, But the one time the Bunker could have been useful to say, hang on a minute, that was a try. Bunker, nowhere to be seen. So what a fantastic use of money to set up that bunker which cost fucking a hell of a lot i'll tell you that much for free and yeah we'll move on we'll move on to the next game poor refereeing thursday night in a nutshell on to some positive news my mighty warriors well they're not mine but they're fucking, they're my team, so I'm getting around him. 24-12 over the Bulldogs in a game that, honestly, I had as a bit of a, a danger game. I was worried about that one because Bulldogs, look, we'd just lost three straight, the Warriors, and it felt like Bulldogs, a team we should beat, but all of a sudden, if we lose to them, then that's four straight losses. We lose a ton of momentum. Thankfully, though, Warriors get it done. Early tries to Josh Curran and Adam Fanua Blake gave us a lead. Dallin Wateni Zalesniak extends it before half time. A couple of tries to the Bulldogs, uh, but Ronald Volkman scores late. Warriors 24 to 12. We're back in the top eight. I think we're sitting eighth, so I love that. I actually only got to watch the KO Mini. I finished work as the game was starting and didn't really get. I think I watched a bit of the second half, but. I went back and watched the KO Mini, so didn't get to see the entire game, but Adam Fanua Blake, my goodness, he is holding it down in the middle for us, as is Torhu Harris, and it excites me a lot to think Mitch Barnett still to return in the middle. And of course, uh, we've got Jazz Tavanga still to return in the middle. But Adam Fanua Blake, in the absence of these guys, has really just lifted. And I want to say take his game to the next level, but he's always been an elite front rower. So Adam Fanua Blake right now, he's leading from the front. Uh, Sean Johnson, I thought another sensational game. Plenty of times throughout the game too, uh, where he had a smile on his dial. And that, 
That's a really good thing because it's it's been a long time. It's been a long time since Sean Johnson has been smiling in Warriors colours. Probably the last time, 2011. Uh, so to see Sean Johnson in a rich vein of form, so good. Tigers apparently after him. Um, look, if he goes, best of luck to him. We've got Luke Metcalf, we've got Volkman, we've got Tamari Martin. But I would, I would think he'd stay. I don't know why he would want to go to the Tigers. Respectfully, I know they've got Isaiah Papali'i, John Bateman, Abi Korosau. So they're kind of changing that narrative. But, I mean, Sean Johnson, do you really want to be the Tigers halfback? Look at Luke Brooks. Just look at Luke Brooks. That's really all I need to say. Now, as for the Bulldogs, they continue to show up. They continue to put in spirited efforts. And congratulations to Noosa Pirates junior Blake Wilson on making his debut. Came in late to replace Josh Adokar. So Bulldogs, I have nothing but good things to say about them. I know they're down toward the bottom of the ladder. They're struggling for form. Uh, but this is, this is a development year, essentially. Going into next year, they are going to be so much stronger for this. Uh, and they've still got Kick-Out to come back. Josh Adokar, a late scratching. Uh, they've got Stephen Crichton joining the club next year. Luke Thompson still to return. Uh, so they're dealing with a lot of injuries at the moment. And they're still showing up week after week. Now, I know that's not going to be good enough for the players and for the coach Cameron Seraldo. They want to get those wins. But just from a, an effort standpoint, I can't fault them. They're not getting smashed by blowout scorelines. Every single week, no matter who they're missing, who they have to bring in the team uh, that's a fringe first grader, they always compete. And I really still think, Bulldogs, it's going to be a bright future. I think as soon as next year. I really do. So this year, take it for what it is, a development year. This isn't a side that is declining, despite being down the bottom of the ladder. This is a side that's about to surge up toward the top of the ladder. It's just going to take some time. We're only just seeing Carl Oluwapu, uh, Matt Burton. He's still finding his feet alongside Reid Marnie as leaders of this team. So no longer amazing young players, but actually becoming senior players within the group. And so there's so much for the dogs to work with. You look at Jacob Preston, Oluwapu, uh, Paul Alamotti, Jacob Kiraz. These guys are at the very beginning of their career, and look at the kind of footy that they're producing. So for the Bulldogs going forward, I am nothing but optimistic, don't have anything negative to say about them. I'm sure their supporters would be seeing some negative elements of their game, uh, but what I'm seeing is a side that's just showing up week after week and refusing to be beaten easily. They're not making it easy for anyone, uh, but very encouraging as a Warriors fan. After three consecutive losses to three of the best sides in the competition, or maybe two, looking at how the Roosters are going now, uh, but three losses, Storm, Panthers, Roosters, all pretty top-tier clubs. To see that the Warriors, we've taken those three losses on the chin, we've come back and performed really well, very encouraging. We'd be super tired given that there was a short turnaround between the Anzac Day game against the Storm and then the Roosters, and then we had to parlay that into a physical game against the Panthers. So I'm pretty sure we've got the bye next weekend, 
and it comes at a perfect time. Get the victory, heading into the bye. It seems like the lads do need a bit of a freshen up, and then we'll be back in round 13, raring to go. And with the bye as well, that's another two competition points. So we're in and around the finals mix. And as a Warriors fan, that is my pass mark. That is my kind of gap between pass and fail. Finals. I don't care if you come eighth and get knocked out week one. Because since 2011, we've made the finals once. And we got bundled out first week. So 2011, what's that, like 12 years ago? 11, 11, 12 years ago? Over a decade. And in the last decade, I have seen my side play one finals game. And we lost it. So, yeah, as a Warriors fan, all I want is just that excitement of the final series. And just to think that we're a chance. And I tell you what. Including 2011, there hasn't been a year where I think we're more of a chance. It's a new Warriors team. The players have taken their game to the next level. And I'm excited what we can do. But it is a close competition. We are one of basically the entire competition going for the same spots. Now, there's a few teams. Bulldogs, Eels, uh, Dragons, Tigers probably look like finals is going to be beyond them. Uh, But outside of that, everyone's a chance, so it could still go either way. Warriors could scrape into the top four. They could be in the bottom four. That's the nature of this competition. You've got to be consistent. You have to continue to show up because if you just lose your focus for a couple of weeks, you will drop significantly down the ladder. I mean, looking at how many teams are on 14 points right now, super congested. Warriors are on 12 points, so it's essential that we continue uh, to perform well and get those wins. But for the first time in a long time, I'm genuinely excited about our prospects because even from the lower part of the eight, I have confidence in the Warriors. I believe our style can trouble any team, whether that be the first place side uh, or the seventh place side or the last place side. So if we can get ourselves into finals, We're a chance. And you may be laughing, thinking, mate, you guys have won no premierships. And I tell you, we're not the fucking favourites to win by any means. I have probably seven, eight, nine teams ahead of us in the premiership race. But we're a chance, and that makes me happy, because, fuck, we have not been a chance for a long time. So it's a good time to be a Warriors fan. It's a great time to be a Warriors fan. So proud of the coaching staff, so proud of the boys, and happy for the rest of the Warriors fan base, because it's, it's been a bit of a grind. It's been more than a bit of a grind. Every year, it's our year, and we've been let down. Is this actually our year? We'll have to wait and see, won't we? But we've got the bye next weekend. Freshen up, lads. Come back better for it. And Bulldogs continuing to impress me. But that's it for the early Friday game. Now let's get on to the Friday night game. Did someone say KFC? Panthers 48, Roosters 4. I think that's been coming for a little while, the Roosters. A little bit too high on their own supply. Got a great roster, but it seems like seems like they know it. Not converting their opportunities at all. So a Premiership favourite up against the back-to-back reigning and defending Premiers. 
Panthers just on a completely different level. In a league of their own, 48-4, to Roosters were shocking, like absolutely shocking. And the fact of the matter is, since they've had back-to-back premierships, they haven't exactly been that good. They really haven't. I'm pretty sure last couple of seasons they've been bundled out first or second week. Um, like they got bundled out by Souths last year. I believe the year before. I think the year before was when they beat the Titans and then they lost the week after and got knocked out of the comp. So yeah, Roosters aren't as great as I think we think they are. They look awesome on paper, but I think this game really reflected where the Roosters are at in their premiership charge. They finished the round outside the top eight. And yeah, the benchmark is Penrith. And Penrith absolutely blitzed them. Scott Sorensen was enormous, scored two tries, had a try assist as well. Uh, Jerome Luai was sensational. He was my player of the round. Although, honestly, Scott Sorensen, unlucky not to get those honours. Uh, Tyrone Peachy was fantastic as well. Look, the entire Penrith team were incredible, but Roost is just shocking. Shout out to Nat Butcher, though. 60 tackles. 60 tackles. I think Victor Radley had 55 or something like that. But yeah, Nat Butcher, that is a seriously solid effort, but just what did it matter? Didn't really count for anything, did it? So yeah. Nat Butcher makes 60 tackles. The rest of the team probably missed 60 tackles. Yeah, 48-4. to Not much to say on that game. Penrith just reminding us exactly who they are. And the Roosters showing us who they've become, to be honest. Crazy when you look at their team. Let me read through this team. Before I do as well, just quickly, um, I've started recording now. It's night time. I've finished work, so... The first part of the podcast was during the daytime. So I was talking about Paul Kent. Well, 360, I watched about one minute of it tonight. And Braith and Astor, and this is nothing against Braith. Absolute legend. Um, This is like, I'm sure he's under strict orders from Fox Sports not to bring it up. Uh, But they opened 360 with Paul Kent. Uh, It's been stood down to deal with a personal matter or something like that. And then they move on. What a bunch of bullshit. Absolute sackless motherfuckers at Fox Sports. And that's not directed at Braith and Astor. Braith and Astor can't exactly just go above his bosses and say what he thinks. So this by no means is a reflection of Braith and Astor, but fucking gutless, gutless pieces of shit. Into whoever's in charge of Fox Sports and 360. Like, that is all you can come up with? A personal matter? Then if it's a player, happy to drag out every single detail and just drag their name through the mud. But when it's Paul Kent, personal matter, it's fucking bullshit. It's actually a huge bunch of bullshit. Never had any respect for the Daily Telegraph crew anyway. And, yeah. Super disappointing that Paul Kent can allegedly choke a woman, and you're just going to call it personal matters. Bunch of fucking bullshit. Uh, but don't, I don't really expect much more from 360. Love myself some Buzz Rothfield. Like, again, Buzz Rothfield hasn't been choking people. Uh, Braith and Asta hasn't, but what a gutless, 
gutless way to handle that. After, especially after the way they handle every single player in discretion. Let's not forget as well, Paul Kent. The whole thing with Triple M when he was bullying Anthony Maroon. The dude is a fucking mud. Happy to rip people down when they make a mistake. But, I mean, this is, like, honestly disgusting. So, I'm going to move on, but I thought it was worth noting, uh, noting that Paul Kent's situation got about 10 seconds of airtime. And they called it a personal matter. So, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Done with that shit. Let's move on. Let's continue talking about the Roosters. Um, now, let me just read their team. Because Panthers, fantastic. Incredible performance. Biggest takeaway from that are that Penrith are quite clearly still the team to beat. But let me go through this Roosters team. Because, look, I have mates that support the Roosters. I don't hate the Roosters. But at the same time, it's just like there are advantages Third-party deals, being a glamour club. Let me just read through this roster they have, and you tell me whether this side should be sitting outside of the top eight and whether this side should be getting belted by the Cowboys and then absolutely obliterated by the Panthers. Here was the Sydney Roosters side that conceded 48 points against the Panthers. And let's also remember, Roosters have plenty of advantages when it comes to third-party deals and when it comes to incentives to get these huge players to their club. So I don't really have any sympathy. I do feel for Roosters fans. Actually, no, I don't. You guys are being fucking awesome. You guys have so many premierships. I don't feel for you guys at all. As a Warriors fan with no premierships, fuckers. Uh, but yeah, let me read through this team. James Tedesco, widely regarded as one of the best players in the world. New South Wales origin captain. Australian captain. Sydney Roosters captain. There you go, that's their fullback. On the wings, Jackson Paolo. Probably their most low-key player on the, on the team, to be honest. Uh, You've got Corey Allen. Played fullback for Queensland in origin. There you go, and he's a very fringe first grader at this Roosters side. Joseph Alcuso Swali'i. So fucking prodigious that Rugby Australia have paid an absolute mozza to get him back. The guy has Israel Folau kind of vibes, like absolute young superstar on the rise. Roosters have him in the centres. He's a Samoan international as well, has played fullback. Would have been an Australian international had he chosen to represent the Kangaroos. So that's who they've got in the centres. Also Billy Smith, who probably not a household name, but a young kid they've persisted with through injury. Then, in the halves, we've got Sam Walker, another prodigious young half. Well, they dropped him. They don't even have room for Sam Walker. There you go. Because they need to fit Joseph Manu in there, the golden boot, current best player in the world, according to the IRL. Uh, so Joey Manu, at another club, surely a million-dollar man. Plenty of clubs would be paying Joey Manu over a million. Uh, but the Roosters have him. Was he playing fullback? No, nah, they got Tedesco. They've also got Swali'i. Well, right now they're playing him at 5'8", so pretty handy to have three world-class fullbacks in your back line. Then you've got Luke Carey, three-time premiership winner. Uh, Jared Warrior Hargreaves, Kiwi International, multiple premierships to his name. Brandon Smith, Kiwi International. You've got Jake Turpin, who started, not exactly a household name. Lindsay Collins, 
Australian International, Queensland Maroon, Angus Crichton, Australian International, New South Wales Blue, Nat Butcher, pretty solid player, but yeah, it doesn't have those same accolades. Victor Radley, English International. You got someone like Matt Lodge sitting on the bench, so yeah. With that roster, there's no excuse, and it just seems like the Roosters, they just know it. They got a fucking awesome team, and they know it. And right now, that is not converting to good performances. They seem like they're just resting on that. Like, well, we have the best team on paper. Well, now look at how they went against the Panthers. So, Trent Robinson's got plenty to change. I'm, I'm fairly sure he's going to start to make changes. And honestly, this Joey Manu, Sam, uh, Luke Carey thing isn't working out. Two awesome players, but the combination, I feel like Sam Walker and Luke Carey was better. I don't know, yeah, they have similar games. Yeah, Sam Walker wasn't exactly setting the world on fire, but the Roosters weren't getting smashed like this. So plenty for Trent Robinson to work out. Not my problem. You motherfuckers are so rich. You have the best players. You have internationals all throughout your squad. So yeah, work it out. Not my bloody problem. I'm waiting for the Warriors to get one premiership. So yeah, Roosters, fuck yous. I accept my mates that support them. And Panthers, goodness gracious, that was a very timely reminder of what they're all about. So Panthers absolutely destroying the Roosters in the Friday night game. And that leads us into Super Saturday. All right, time to get our dicks wet in the Super Saturday action. Um... I don't know why I said that. Fucking hell. Uh, anyway, Rabbitohs 20, Tigers nil. Also breaking news, Anthony Griffin gone. Uh, the Dragons game's after this, but you know what? I'm just going to save the whole Anthony Griffin chat for uh, the preview podcast to come out on Wednesday because there's a lot to get into. So yeah, Anthony Griffin gone, skis. He's gone, but we'll save that chat for another time. Rabbitohs 20, Tigers nil. Uh, to be honest, I was at work for most of this game, so I only caught a bit of it. Uh, but from what I did see, went back and watched the KO Mini as well. Latrell Mitchell are uh, playing outstanding. He's really starting to warm into the season. Tane Milne, who? Tane Milne, uh, he's, he's stating his case as to why he should be the first choice right winger. Now, Isaac uh, Thompson in reserve grade scored a hat-trick, so he's still still nipping at the heels, but Tane Milne with a double in this game. Credit to the Tigers, they put up a good fight despite the 20-0 scoreline, but yeah, it's the most informed team in the comp up against the team that's running last, so yeah, this is kind of an expected result, but no shade to the Tigers, they put up a good fight. Uh, Damian Cook, 54 tackles. An incredible effort in the middle. Tane Milne, two tries, 271 run meters, three line breaks. Had a fantastic game. But for me, the thing that has really taken South Sydney to that next level has been their middle forwards. Now, Tom Burgess was a late withdrawal from this one. Uh, but I've got to say, Hame Sale is in career best form. He is playing well above his pay packet. Tavita Totola for a few years now, he's really stepped up to announce himself as one of the premier forwards in the game. Of course, you've got Cameron Murray, 
Jai Arrow. I've really liked seeing Jai Arrow mixing it up again back in the middle of the park. And Liam Knight back from injury as well. So for me, the thing that's made a huge difference for Souths is guys like Harme Selle standing up and really playing above what we expect of them. So they're laying the platform for guys like Cody Walker, for guys like Luttrell to really take advantage of. And I think heading towards September footy, they, they're going to be hugely crucial. And hopefully for South Sydney's sake, uh, they can get all hands on deck. Tom Burgess out for this one. They're still missing Saliva Havili. No Davy Mawali. No Shaki, uh, Shaq Mitchell in this one. So they've got a pretty decent uh, depth as far as middle forwards. And none of them outside of Cameron Murray, I would imagine, are costing a fortune. So very sound roster management from South Sydney. And for the Tigers, an unfortunate loss, but they'll be back at home next weekend against the Cowboys. And they'll have a real crack at uh, getting their third win of the season. But this game undoubtedly belongs to the Rabbitohs. 20 to nil winners. And now South Sydney find themselves on top of the ladder. So huge win for Souths. They're taking on the Eels next weekend. And I'm very keen to uh, dive into that game for the preview podcast because Eels have been a shell of themselves. Well, South Sydney, they look stronger than ever. So great time to be a Rabbitohs fan. As for Tigers fans, well, there's starting to be some encouraging signs. I know it was 20-0, but I tell you what, some people had this as a 50-0 game of them getting absolutely pumped. So Tigers, they're putting up a fight. Some of these young guys starting to develop and hopefully they continue to move upward and go onward because yeah from the bottom of the ladder where west tigers are you can really only go up from here so i guess that's a positive uh, but south sydney right now it seems like 2023 could be the year that they finally break that drought and go all the way get past the prelims get past the grand final this seems like the team that can do it so massive win for south sydney they are now on top of the table whilst tigers uh, they still sit at the very bottom but yeah as i said i didn't get to watch all of that game so why don't we move on now to the cowboys up against the dragons in the next fixture of our super saturday all right next up cowboys one of the worst teams in the competition this year. Seemingly, they're turning things around. Uh, but yeah, up to this point, one of the worst teams in the comp. Dragons concede 42 points against the Cowboys. So Dragons basically say, hey, you guys had the win against the Roosters last weekend. You're looking to get yourselves back into form? Well, you've come to the right place because we're an absolute fucking shit show. So Dragons lose by 20 points, 42 to 22. Really good response from the Cowboys, who are now, they're starting to get their season back up and running. Now, it's a very close competition, so the Cowboys have left themselves very little room for error. Very small margin for error, so they have to continue to win. But they won, and they won well here. Dragons never looked like being in this contest. And as a result, Anthony Griffin now gone. Now, is this whole six losses in a row, is it fully on the players? Look, the players have a part to play. Is it fully on the coach? The coach had a part to play. 
but I reckon it's just on the dead shit board. Like, from the second the season started, the Dragons were doomed. The coach, before the season had even begun, was pretty much out the door. And just the way they've handled it has been so poor. It was Ben Hunt's 300th game. Had a pretty solid game as well, but... Yeah, the board didn't even show up to his 300th celebration. And, yeah, I've said it heaps throughout this season. How can you expect the coach, the players, and, you know, the support staff to all be on the same page when the board are all over the place? So, there you go, Dragons board. You got what you wanted. Your coach is now gone. You've had six straight losses. And I'm sure the players have lost all faith in the people who are running the club. So, I think this is only going to get uglier, and yeah, who cares at this point? Oh, they might get Jason Riles, the next great coach. What does it even matter? Like, they're an absolute shit show. So yeah, Dragons, pretty pathetic. Not the players either. Like, I, I can't imagine it would be easy to work toward the common goal of playing finals when your club's just all over the place. You don't know week to week if your coach is going to keep his job and now he's gone and yeah dragons i'd be pissed to put it this way i'd be pissed off if i was a dragons fan uh, from the way this has all been handled and i don't think hook was ever the right man for the job even when he first got appointed but there's a way to carry these kind of things out and this was not it so 42 to 22 dragons they could be in contention for the wooden spoon a lot of people had them getting the wooden spoon. They showed a little bit early and now they're about where they should be. They really are. And great playing roster. But yeah, no one's on the same page. Everyone's working towards different goals. And yeah, dragons. Shit show. Circus. That's my biggest takeaway from that. Uh, But for the Cowboys, I spoke in the preview podcast. Was that win against the Roosters exactly what North Queensland needed to build belief and get their season back on track? Well, the answer is yes. They put 42 points on the Dragons. They now have back-to-back victories. And in Indigenous round, they're taking on the West Tigers. So there's a very real possibility that the Cowboys, after an awful start to the season, are going to re-emerge as a finals contender once again. Now, I thought the whole team played outstanding. Tom Dearden was exceptional. Kyle Felt had a great game. Uh, but it was Hylam Lukey, who I thought was the standout player in the back row. He scored two tries. And yeah, the young Queenslander certainly putting his hand up uh, for the Cowboys' starting spot. Now, of course, Jeremiah Nanai still to return to the team. And I do wonder, where do they all fit in? Does Jack Gozeski uh, jump back to the bench to allow you to play Nanai and Lukey? I wonder. I do wonder what that mix is going to be. But for Hylam Lukey, I mean, when Jeremiah Nanai... What? Who? Speaking a bit too fast. Jeremiah Nanai, when he comes back into the side, I don't know if he's going to just be able to walk straight back into that starting lineup. So these are the kind of headaches, as far as selections, that Todd Payton wants to be having. Hylam Lukey, say with the best game of his career. So now North Queensland, they're starting to get back up and running. They've got the Tigers next round. And maybe this season isn't doomed after all. For the Cowboys, at least. The season is 100% doomed 
for the Dragons. Congratulations to the Dragons board. You guys have played yourself. You guys have played yourself, you've played your fans, you've played your coach, and you've played all the players. Congratulations. And now, six straight losses, you don't even have a head coach. <sighs> yeah, not good. Not good at all from the Dragons, so, yeah. And it's the same board. This is the same board that the Dragons... Look, Dragons haven't been successful since 2010, since Wayne Bennett. And all the way through, the consistent theme has been the people running the club. I even remember a few years ago, all the drama of oust Doust, get rid of Peter Doust, who I believe was the CEO or something like that at the time. Um... And he stepped aside from his role, but he's still there. He's still involved in the club. So, yeah, it's pretty clear it's not Anthony Griffin's fault that this team is shit. It's not the players' fault. There are some unbelievably talented players in this lineup. It starts at the top. And if you've listened to my podcast for a while now, you'd know that I hate talking about things at board level. I don't really like talking about the judiciary. I like to keep it more on field and talk about the players and the teams. But this is just so glaring that the problem starts at the top. So as for what the Dragons do, well, at this point, I honestly don't care. I like the Dragons. I wish them well. They were one of the teams that I used to love watching when I first started uh, watching League as a kid. Like Matt Cooper, Re- um, not Reg Gaznia, fucking hell, no, not that old. Mark Gaznia. Like, some of the old-school Dragons teams, uh, even before the Wayne Bennett era, like, early 2000s uh, through to 2010, loved watching the Dragons play. Now, despite having an awesome team that just... No one feels threatened by the Dragons. I feel like everyone in the competition, whilst they respect the talent that the team possesses, I don't think anyone looks at the draw and goes... Ah, shit, we've got the Dragons this weekend. Like, this is going to be a tough one. I feel like Dragons, they've lost the aura that they once had as the best team we've ever seen in this competition in the history of Rugby League. They've lost that aura. And then they rebuilt that aura under Wayne Bennett, and then they lost it again. And now, not only have they lost their aura, uh, but now their aura smells like shit. To be honest, it's not an aura anymore. It's an aroma and a bad aroma, like dog shit. So congratulations, Dragons board. You've successfully taken away the winning aura of the club. And yeah, now you guys have to start from scratch. So it sucks for the Dragons, for their fans. And like, who knows if Ben Hunt's going to stick around. And it sounds like I hate the Dragons, but I don't. I actually really like pretty much all the players, especially the young ones, Tyrell Sloan, Jaden Sullivan, Talatau Amon, huge fans of theirs. Uh, Jack Bird's awesome. Jack DeBellin, a solid player. Moses Suli, Michaeli Ravalawa. I could go on. Like, I really like this Dragons team, but yeah, your board, your board just clearly don't seem to want to be successful. This was inevitable. Anthony Griffin being sacked was inevitable before the season even started. So the fact that they didn't coming out of last year make a stance, or make a stance going into this year, they basically just went, oh well, 2023 season is a write-off. Which with this Dragons roster, it should not be a write-off. They should have been in the mix for finals from the get-go. And they basically just withdrew themselves 
from the Premiership race. They're like, eh, we could play finals, or, you know what, we might just drip-feed some information to the media that our coach is on borrowed time. Like, that is such an excellent idea, how to get your side playing finals footy. Put your coach under heaps of pressure before the season starts. Don't attend literally your star player's 300th dinner to celebrate his achievement. The guy who carries this team on his back. The Dragons don't deserve Ben Hunt. They really don't. And I think he could be gone. I reckon he might just go, you know what? Anthony Griffin's gone. And I would like to go too. I'm sure plenty of clubs would be interested in Ben Hunt. Uh, But this isn't really about the Dragons. This game was about the Cowboys. Fantastic win for them. They're on the same page. And that was actually my reasoning for tipping the Cowboys in this game. Also, shout out to me. 8 from 8, perfect week. Shout out to... They were all favourites, so not that impressive. But I picked the Cowboys on the basis that they know who their coach is. Their board are backing the coach in. They're backing the players. And there's one unanimous goal for the Cowboys. That is to get back to the final series and have a crack at winning the Premiership. So they're all on the same page. Despite having an awful start to the season, a lot of players out of form, they're working toward the same goal. So that's why I tipped the Cowboys, because Dragons from top to bottom, just on completely different pages. They're reading fucking different books, let alone pages. Uh, So, yeah, Dragons, you guys have played yourself. Interested to see how this plays out, but I feel like as long as this board's in charge, wise decisions will not be made. Now, I saw Jason Riles, one of the potential coaches uh, to take over. He's basically requested that they give him full autonomy over the playing roster and full control, which I think is totally fair. Because the board have shown when they have control, they shit the bed to the maximum. Who remembers Paul McGregor having a selection committee? Like, who tells their head coach we're going to have a selection committee? So... Yeah, it didn't work with Paul McGregor. It didn't work with Steve Price after Wayne Bennett. It hasn't worked with Anthony Griffin. At what point is it beyond the coach's fault and do we start actually looking at the people who are making these decisions? Someone has to have appointed Anthony Griffin. At one point, all the board thought it was a fantastic idea to give this guy the job. Then all of a sudden, they want him out. And it's like, well, who were the ones that brought Anthony Griffin into the mix in the first place. You know? So, yeah. I'd be pissed off if I was a Dragons fan. Luckily, I'm not. Appreciate the team, but yeah, you guys are on your own. I, I, I wipe my hands clean of this fucking situation because, yeah, it's pretty crap. Pretty crap. So, yeah. At what point do you just start saying, maybe it's not the coach. Maybe it's the people above the coach making the decisions. So whoever comes in next, whether that be Jason Riles, Ben Hornby, Dean Young, uh, Des Hasler, whoever comes in next, they need to give that coach full control and just back them in. Because otherwise it's not going to work. We've seen that very clearly. The board, they're not even on the same page as one cohesive unit. So why the hell should they be making decisions? They've been making decisions. And look where it's got them for like the last decade basically nowhere so at some point yeah the people up top need to take some accountability 
But anyway, getting too fired up uh, about the dragon situation, as I said, you guys are on your own. I wipe my hands clean of this situation you find yourselves in. But yeah, Cowboys 42, very positive win for the Cowboys, uh, an upward trajectory for the North Queensland side, and for the Dragons, well, they are definitely on the decline, and where they go from here is anyone's guess. Oh, sorry about that, someone was just calling me, it was the Dragons board, they wanted to see if I'd uh, be interested in the head coaching position, but nah, I just thought, maybe not, I'll hold out, but yeah, sorry, phone buzzing in the middle of the podcast. I think that was actually just my phone trying to tell me. It's time to move on from the Dragons. Let's let's get on to the Saturday night game. Speaking of sides that were awful to start the year and are going through a bit of a revival, the Green Machine, Canberra Raiders, five straight wins after being one of the most disappointing teams to start the year. This is where I saw the Raiders at. This is how they should be performing. On their day, they can beat anyone in the comp. 26-18, Raiders beat the Eels. Eels are not a finals team this year. And yeah, it just goes to their player retention, who they decided to let go. And yeah, look where they are. So Eels are just, they're not that same team. They're not that same team that they were. It's clear to see. Uh, Now, Jermaine Hopgood has been an awesome signing. But yeah, I'll be very surprised if Parramatta make finals this year. Sure, they could go on a run, uh, but RCG is out injured. Now, after this game, Sean Lane is out injured. I just don't see it happening this year for Para. Now, for the Raiders, exceptional win. Five straight victories. They are now in the mix for finals. So after a very poor start, it all turned around with that Brisbane Broncos game. And now they haven't lost since. So Raiders, this is exactly what we want to see from them. Hudson Young continues to impress and state his case for a Blues call-up. Matt Timoko is finally coming up to that potential that we all knew he had. And just the side as a whole, they've really lifted. I thought their attack was awful at the start of the year, uh, but they've really fixed a lot of these issues. And funnily enough, Jared Croker returns to the side against Brisbane, and they haven't lost since. So Captain Croak's a hugely influential player. And Canberra, well now they've got Seagulls next weekend. And a very genuine chance to make it six straight victories. And at the start of the year, I had Canberra as my dark horse of the entire competition. So I was hugely disappointed to see the way they started the season. But now, they're starting to play the way I believed they could. I genuinely think... Raiders could be one of those sides that nobody is talking about when it comes to the Premiership race. In fact, people will laugh me out of the fucking building for suggesting that Raiders are even a sniff. But if I pick a genuine dark horse, like a team that is genuinely coming from outside of the race, I'm going the green machine. I really do think they have all the tools to be successful. Up front, you've got Big Papa, Joseph Tarpanay, Corey Horsburgh. Now owning that lock Ford jersey, they've got a solid back row, the halves combination, White and Fogarty doing their job, outstanding centres, and just across the park. I like what the Raiders have to offer, so very excited to see how Canberra can build off this momentum. 
was for the eels. I read a post, uh, and it was quite unfortunate, apparently. And this was by the Fox Sports staff writers, so take that for what you will. And also, again, Fox Sports posting everything except the fact that Paul Kent choked a woman. Allegedly? Is it still? I guess he's still got to go to court, so I guess I have to say allegedly. But he has been charged, so again, take with that what you will. Wouldn't know it, though, because Fox League... Fucking silence. Absolute silence. Um, but I read a story, and apparently the Eels fans came out... Oh, the Eels team, sorry, came out to greet fans after the game. And apparently just some of the Eels fans, probably like a small minority, just fuckwits. Like, not true fans, just fuckwits who are wearing the jersey. Um, but apparently they were berating Jake Arthur, giving the kid a hard time. And then one of the other things I read was that afterwards, once they got told to piss off, uh, one of the fans asked Jake Arthur, hey, could you like sign this for me? And he goes, again, this is from staff writers on uh, Fox Sports, so this could be a lie, but I'm just, you know, reciting what I read. Apparently, they asked Jake Arthur for an autograph and he said, are you sure? Like, are you sure you want an autograph from me? Which is so shit. Like, it's so shit. This is a kid, for goodness sake. Yeah, he's Brad Arthur's son. Who cares? Like, it's so shit, if that's the case. And if you're wearing a Parramatta jersey, and you're bagging Jake Arthur, you're a fuckwit. You're not a fan. Like, this kid hasn't done anything wrong. He's played to the, his, the best of his ability. He was one of your only players who actually scored a try in the grand final last year. And he plays in the most crucial position. He's a halfback when Mitch Moses goes down. So, yeah, Parramatta, if you think bagging your young halfback is going to help you be successful, you're a moron. You're only setting your own club back. But I don't think they are Parramatta fans. I just think they're morons wearing a Parramatta jersey. Because any actual fan, any actual supporter wouldn't do that. It's just dog shit. So if that is true, those in question, wankers, absolute wankers. And like, this is a kid who, unlike, you know, the one thing I'll say is like 99.9% of the criticism that gets directed at Jake Arthur is coming from blokes who, one, have never played a game of NRL, and who, two, probably aren't, you know, fulfilling their dream. They never chased their dream. They were never successful in working toward a goal that may have been out of reach, like Jake Arthur being able to play in the NRL. This is like just a kid who's working hard to live out his dreams. And then you've got dickheads who clearly just don't have that same kind of fire in them, never were bothered to chase their dreams, would rather just sit around being a dickhead. Uh, these are the kind of guys that criticize Jake Arthur. These are the kind of guys that bag him out because they don't have the balls to do what this kid has done and actually try and chase their dreams and carve out a career in the profession that they love. Now, Jake Arthur, I'm not going to fault a kid regardless. And he wasn't even playing poor. Like, it's not like he actually had an ultra shit game and then he's getting bagged out he just gets bagged out because he's jake arthur he's the coach's son and yeah i just think it's disappointing but again the biggest note is that pretty much every critic of jake arthur they haven't played a game of first grade in their lives let alone actually being able to accomplish a huge goal like playing nrl so it's just that small-minded fucking attitude of 
well, I'm a loser. I didn't really make anything of my life, so I'm going to have a crack at a kid who did have a go and who is making something of his life. Um, but shout out to the Eels supporters that did tell those guys to piss off. And yeah, majority of Eels fans are exempt from that. It's always, it's always a minority. It's just a loud minority who, yeah, want to be dickheads. But yeah, the main point of this is that Raiders, in some fine form, they are starting to hit their straps. And I'm really excited to see where they can go from here. As for the Eels, I just don't see them as a finals team this year. But yeah, I thought that Jake Arthur thing was worth mentioning. It's just like the way we as like a society treat these young halfbacks, it's so dog. Like these are kids, essentially. Even Luke Brooks, he's gotten on a bit in age. I know that there's so much money and that rugby league is more than just a game. But at the end of the day, it's a fucking ball sport. Like, get your priorities in life in order. Seriously, I know, like, there's money to be won and lost, and it really is more than a game. But when you actually look at the bigger picture, forget about the money, and just look at these guys as humans, it's a fucking ball sport. And if you're going to bag this kid out for just following his dreams and having a crack for your team, for your team then you're just a flog. And I know that literally no one listening to this right now would have been the ones abusing Jake Arthur. So we can move on. But yeah, I thought that was worth talking about because the way we just bag these young halves and stuff, it's a fucking ball sport. Seriously. When you think about, and I don't want to get too philosophical, but when you think about what's actually going on in the world right now and all these things that we should care about, fucking like... A young footy player having a, an average game ain't one of them. Get your priorities in check. And if anything, that's the time to wrap your arm around the young bloke and say, mate, wasn't your best game, but we're backing you in because we're a supporter of the Eels, we're a supporter of you. But these days, it just seems like people are just, they're not really supporters, a lot of people. As soon as their team starts going shit, they just bag them in there. They're out of there. It's like, you've got to support these teams through thick and thin. As a Warriors fan, I can tell you, I've done that much myself. So, yeah, there's no use in bagging out these young players. And when I read that line of someone asking Jake Arthur for an autograph, and he's like, are you sure? Like, if that's true, to make a young kid feel that way is just, like, it's pathetic from the guys involved. And I guarantee you, the guys who were bagging him out will be losers. They'll be losers. You don't get people who are coming from a successful life and a fulfilling life who feel the need to bag a young kid like that. So, yeah, they're fucking losers. And there's heaps of it in our game. There's heaps of it in our game. I would like to see less of it. And for Jake Arthur, hopefully he keeps his head up and can have a great game next weekend. But we're going to move on to the Sunday now. I did think that was worth mentioning, though. Take it easy on these kids. Just remember, at the end of the day, when there is so much going on in this world, are you really going to give that much energy to a ball sport? And that's coming from a guy who records hours worth of podcasts every week about said ball sport. A lot of my life revolves around said ball sport, but sometimes you've just got to have your priorities in order. And abusing a young player is pretty clear that one, you have your priorities out of whack, and two, you're just a loser 
who sees someone that is succeeding and it's jealousy. It really is. It's jealousy and it's envy. So I should have been talking about Raiders vs. Eels. Instead, that was what came up, but hey, we digress. Let's get on to the Sunday action. Goodness gracious, I've been going on a few rants in this podcast, haven't I? I said I was going to try to keep it short. I'm just going off on some tangents, but whatevs. We now go on to the Sunday action. McDonald Jones Stadium. Knights 46, Titans 26. Uh, I'll be honest, I was still finishing up my UFC content at that point, so I only watched the second half. Uh, But biggest takeaway for both sides. For the Titans, fantastic forward pack. Awesome team all around. Finals, if they want to play finals, they have to defend. And honestly, right now, it looks like that is the difference between Titans being a top 8 team and just missing out is their defense. Because for all the great things they can do, like the back-to-back wins uh, over the last couple of weeks, it all just comes undone through their defense. Same thing happened last year. Also, I think it was four consecutive games where the Titans have scored exactly 26 points. So scoring points is clearly not the issue. It's their defense. How many tries is that? One, seven? Eight? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They let... The Newcastle Knights, who, after before the bye, sorry, had got absolutely flogged. They let the Knights score 46 points. Eight tries. That's not top eight material. Now, if you run your eye over the team, it's top eight material, but the defense says otherwise. So that's my biggest takeaway for the Titans. David Fafita, though, in incredible form. Definitely deserves a call-up for Origin, uh, but... Yeah, Titans, right now, as things stand, that is the difference between them playing finals and missing out. It's their defense. Right now, they look likely to miss out. Now, for the Newcastle Knights, all this blow-up about Bali. Plenty of chat on 360 about what they thought of it. Very little chat about what they thought about Paul Kent allegedly choking a woman. Sorry to go back to it, but it's disgusting that there's, like, no coverage. And... Look at this performance. Bradman Best comes back from Bali, scores a double. Also came out that Bradman Best was in Bali to help finance a friend who he met over there previously to help finance a local Balinese person's uh, dream to have a home. So Bradman Best literally doing the most wholesome gesture, being a fantastic bloke, and helping out a community that were hit very hard over the COVID period, yeah, sometimes you just got to realize that, you know, not everyone is going over to Bali to have an absolute bender. So, yeah, there you go. Bradman Best, turns out he was actually doing a fantastic deed. And Knights come back, put 46 points on the Titans. So I think we can put that Bali thing to bed, yeah? Doesn't look like it was really as much of an issue as it was made out to be. Now, 46 points for Newcastle. That is fantastic. They were breaking tackles like nobody's business. And, uh, excuse me for one second. Excuse moi. Um, Kalen Ponga had his best game in a long, long time. Three try assists, including an absolutely sound kick. Beautiful vision uh, for Tyson Frizzell, who anticipated the kick beautifully. 
I said, Caelan Ponga had the perfect game to just just remind everyone, like, I'm not going to just hand over this fullback jersey to Reese Walsh come origin. So Caelan Ponga, one of the best performances of the round. I had Jerome Luai as my player of the round, but I had Caelan Ponga as a close second. The only reason I went with Luai uh, is because Roosters I just had as a stronger opposition than the Titans to be able to perform like that against. But yeah, I mean, you cannot fault that game from the Newcastle Knights. And now, who knows? Like, if they can string some wins together, finals not out of the question. So that big loss they had coming into the bye, maybe not as big a deal as we all thought. And yeah, Kalen Ponga, man of the match. But other than that, not a heap to say. As I said, I didn't get to see all of this game, but good to see KP playing well and Bradman best with exactly the response you would want after a tumultuous week. And then, of course, turns out he was doing nothing but just great things while he was over there and getting his tattoo updated, but there's nothing wrong with that. And clearly, it hasn't affected him, even if he was over there getting on the piss relentlessly. Well, he's just come back, scored a double. They've just flogged the Titans, so wouldn't even be a bad thing, would it? Maybe, you know, just let the players unwind. And maybe he just wanted to escape uh, the bubble. Didn't want to be in New South Wales. Or didn't want to be in Newcastle to see all the headlines about Knights getting smashed. Just have a little break. Nothing wrong with that. And now Newcastle, season... Look, I don't see them playing finals. They were my pick for the spoon, but... Season back on track for the time being, whilst Gold Coast defence just it needs to be worked on. Those are my takeaways uh, from that game. And given that we're about an hour ten into this podcast, let's get amongst the last one and call it a day, shall we? Last game of the round, Seagulls 14, Sharks 20. Uh, Cronulla just too good, Manly, with a lot to be desired in their performance. So much so, could cost Tommy Turbo his origin spot, which would be huge news. Uh, But yeah, Cronulla just too good. That was really all there was to this game. There was no point where, other than at the very end, where Manly actually looked like they could win. Uh, Sharks just too good. It was really as simple as that. And one of the things that made me laugh, uh, during the week... I caught a little bit of the fan, Andrew Voss's show, and he was asking coaches, what, what's a coach killer to you? And Anthony Seabold, the Seagulls coach, said, oh, my biggest coach killer is when the team gets a penalty and you don't kick the ball into touch. And they did that. That happened in the game. I think it was Cherry Evans. So I had a good laugh at that. I was like, oh, Anthony Seabold, that is literally exactly what you described as a coach killer. And he had to go through that. So Manly definitely got some work to do. They are missing uh, Jake Trebojevic in a big, big way. Although it's seeming likely like he might be back next round. But yeah, really biggest takeaway from this. Sharks, after a bad loss against the Dolphins, it basically just comes down to, you know, it's not so much how you judge a team on a bad loss. More so how they respond the week after. Well, we got a response. So yeah, the Dolphins loss wasn't the be-all and end-all. If anything, just a bit of a slap in the face for the Sharks. Now, Cronulla, they still seem like they're just that little bit short of what they need to go all the way and win the Premiership, but I still have them most definitely as contenders 
Sea Eagles, an interesting one. At points this year, they've been in the top four. Other points, they're outside the top eight. And given that draw against the Knights, um, I think they're on 11 competition points. That draw is going to come into play most definitely come finals time. So very disappointing loss for the Sea Eagles. And they've got the Raiders next weekend. So we're getting into must-win territory when you consider like Josh Schuster hasn't been able to get himself on the park. Daily Cherry Evans is going to be missing through origin time. And maybe Tom Trebojevic as well. So it's only going to get tougher as the season goes on. So Manly, they do need to kind of work out what they, what's going on. Because the first part of the season, they played very well. But like I said, Magic Round, the second phase of the season begins. And teams have to find that next level to be able to keep up with the pace of the competition. As things stand right now, Manly don't have that next level, especially without Jake Trebojevic. They miss him so much. So for the Sharks, we haven't quite seen them go to that next level either, but this win just shores them up, keeps them in the race for a top four finish, and for Cronulla fans, that's exactly what you want. How about the big fella as well, Royce Hunt, first try scorer. Love a front rower barging over uh, for the first try. But that's all I really had to say on that game. Sharks just too good. Manly, never really in it up until the very end where they had a crack. And yeah, Cronulla, I still have them as one of my contenders. But I said I wanted to try keep today's podcast short. We're already over the hour mark, so let's call it there, shall we? I'm going to get amongst the preparation for the round 12 preview podcast. So that'll be coming out Wednesday during the afternoon. And it's Indigenous Round, a fantastic round to celebrate. I saw a couple of comments in comment sections, which that's on me. Some like Sometimes if I find myself in the comment section, I just have to actively be like, dude, these are like the fucking opinions with the least weight. The opinions in a comment section are most likely the most meaningless opinions that hold zero weight. So sometimes I find myself reading the comments and I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't. And I saw some comments saying from old white guys from like fucking Mackay, Queensland. So I was like, ah, that checks out. Usually, and I'm a Queenslander, I'm a Queensland supporter, but usually when it's some like old white guy saying something fucking racist, surprisingly, quite a lot of the time, they're from Queensland, interestingly enough. But yeah, I saw some comments being like, oh yeah, the indigenous round, like let's divide the people more. Mike, you fucking, you you morons, you morons. I love Indigenous Round. It is not about division. It's about all of us coming together to celebrate different cultures. In fact, the culture that this country was built on, founded upon. And I don't have the time, and I'm sure you don't want to hear about it right now, to actually break down how badly Indigenous Australians have been fucked over. This is coming from someone who grew up in New Zealand, where our Maori culture is revered, it's held up on a pedestal, and the indigenous peoples of our land are celebrated. So I've always grown up knowing about the rich culture of New Zealand's indigenous heritage, but in Australia, it is very, very different. It is very different. There is no celebration of the culture, and when there is, like an indigenous round, there's always fuckwits in the comment comments who just... It's like two steps forward, one step backwards with these guys. 
But Indigenous round coming up. So many great Indigenous players in our game. And if you live in Australia, it's a great time to educate yourself about the Indigenous culture. They're not asking to fucking, you know, change the whole NRL to a fully Indigenous competition. They just want to celebrate their culture. Totally fair enough, given that they were the ones who this country actually belongs to, to be fair. And look at this game. Look at some of the greatest players we've ever seen. Arthur Beetson, Jonathan Thurston, Greg Inglis. Like, the indigenous community has given so much to our game. Without them, rugby league just wouldn't be the same. And I, for one, cannot wait to celebrate indigenous round. Love the jerseys. Love to learn a little bit about each culture. It's a fantastic opportunity uh, for the indigenous players as well to share a bit of their backstory uh, about their ancestors. What's not to love about that? What's not to love about communities coming together? It's not an us versus them. It's a great time to actually unite and say, hey, I would love to learn more about your culture and, you know, bring people together. But anyway, I don't want to get too deep in this fucking shit, but indigenous round, get around it. It's going to be a fantastic round. I cannot wait to go through all eight games on the preview and my beloved Warriors with the bye. So good time to freshen up. It'd be sad not to get to watch the Warriors this weekend, but again, Indigenous round. Fantastic round to get around, and there's going to be a lot of special uh, special things throughout the week. So I can't wait to delve a little bit deeper and educate myself. I by no means am fully educated on all of these things, but it interests me a lot, and I feel like it's the least we could do. They're not asking for much. They're like one Indigenous round. I saw one guy be like, When's the Australian Whites round? Uh, probably fucking the other 26 ones, brother. You know, like, I just, it, it, I don't understand it. I don't understand all this thing of like, you know, International Women's Day. Oh, when's International Men's Day? From guys who don't realize there is an International Men's Day. They just want to fucking complain. Same thing, Indigenous round. Oh, when's the White Australian round? Like, my goodness. My goodness, anyway, it's fucking, I've gone on tangent after tangent, rant after rant, so let's call it there before I fucking fire up again, shall we? I'll be in a much more calm and chilled out headspace for the preview podcast, although you better believe I'll be speaking more in detail uh, about Anthony Griffin's sacking and a few other things. But that's been it for today, as far as the round 11 weekend wrap. Sorry to get a bit deep on you there at the end, but these are just, I'm just giving you my raw feelings and emotions as I sit here, so fucking sue me. Uh, anyway, that's it. Round 11 weekend wrap, done and dusted. I will be back tomorrow uh, with the round 12 indigenous round preview. Until then though, take care of yourselves and have a fantastic week.